All right, we, we have some interesting news. Today I'll be speaking before the Freedom Center about my book, uh, upcoming book, Atheists and Destroys, and specifically I'm going to be talking about fear, how the year 2020, I call it the year of fear, because it is the year of fear. It, it's, it's not just our, that we are exhibiting fear. It's more that the circumstances have exposed what a fearful world we are. The fear is always there. The, the, the die is cast. It's, uh, you know, the, it's baked in the cake, so to speak. And when a crisis happens, you see who the really courageous are. Okay? So, look, we, we always wonder, you know, when you see uh, a story of some brave man, you know, uh, jumping on a bad guy, you know, who's attacking a woman, let's say, <clears throat> and you say to yourself, would I do that? You know, if the circumstances were exactly the same, you like to think to yourself, yes, I would, right? Yeah, but in most cases, no, you wouldn't. <clears throat> well, who knows, right? The fact is, you don't know until you know. Yeah. And here comes a situation, boom, you, okay, this, this horrible uh, man is, is beating up this woman, and now's your chance, okay? Are you going to do something? And that's a micro level, but on a macro level, here we are. The world has descended into a sort of chaos, both in terms of, of our reaction to the COVID crisis and then the rioting and, and the whole woke supremacy issue. This is a, a title from Evan Sayed, which I like a lot. Um, <clears throat> and how are we reacting? How are we standing tall and saying this, this crap has got to stop, right? In terms of our speaking engagements, in terms of our telling people who are you're yelling at us to wear masks and so forth. But <clears throat> the most important part, in many ways, is those people who have a position of power among congregations that are able to say, I don't care what the city of L.A. or, for that matter, the state of California mandate in terms of the congregation. I see a lot of inconsistency here, and I demand that I open up. I'd be allowed to open up my congregation. And if you don't allow it, I don't care. I'm willing to go to jail. Right, so my First Amendment right. It's more than, it's more than I, I want to open my gym or my business or something, which has a very strong constitutional argument. But It's even more so. But it's even more so if it's one of the five things protected by the First Amendment. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and Especially religious assembly. Well, I, and we've talked worship. about this before, that the First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. And it's not just free speech. Um, it's also freedom of religion to practice your faith. And I always say, you know, it's, it, there's a reason why both of them are the First Amendment. Because, you know, people may say, and, and I think they'd be correct to say, <clears throat> look, the reason why it's the First Amendment is because we want to... Um, value both free speech and freedom of religion, and we, ha we, we hold them in such high regard, that's the first thing we want to say out of the gate. In a, in a way, they're tied for first place. The answer is, although that's a very nice interpretation, the answer is actually they're one and the same. When people think about free speech, what they're really saying is the freedom to exercise their faith in God. That's really the ultimate in freedom of speech, when you think about it. When, and, and I've said this many times before, when, when you, whenever you see people trying to exercise their freedom in dictatorship countries, 
like the former Soviet Union and present-day China and such, it's always the religious Christians and Jews who are caught, you know, practicing their faith. It's not the Christians and Jews, or, or for that matter, just people generally speaking, wanting to um, complain about their city council and the latest uh, bill that they pass. No, it's not that at all. It's always about practicing your faith. So more to the point, um, we're talking about congregations. There is a leader of one of our congregations in the city of LA, and I don't want to name his name. Um, He's actually got conservative values to some extent, to some extent, uh, you're shaking your head. Well, now he's revealed himself not to have very strong conservative values. He talks the talk, and I'm disappointed in him. I, I like him as a, as a man, you know, as a friend. Uh, there are many pastors and rabbis and reverends and so forth that I respect as friends. But when the rubber meets the road, they're just very cowardly. I expected something much bigger from this man and from so many of the leaders that I see within the Christian faith as well. And they just bow down to this government and they say, what can we do? What you do is you stand tall and you say, we are worshiping. It is our God, gosh darn, God-given right. And it God says so. God-given, God and goddamn right. That's right. That, there you go. Do the uh, rule of <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it is enshrined in our constitution, and I'm going to put this to the test. And our constitution doesn't have an asterisk next to it. That's right. No asterisks. Okay. So, so what would happen if you as a pastor, you as a rabbi, you as a reverend were to say, look, I'm opening it up, and if you don't like it, you can find me. You can arrest me. Let's see how the public takes it. I think that I'm going to win that little battle, my dear friend, Governor Newsom. Well, I would, I would rephrase it. I'd say I'm opening and I dare you to arrest me. I dare you. Because if you arrest me and you violate my First Amendment rights, I'll have your ass on a platter. That's what you do. You show strength. You don't, it's you a don't, question you of don't semantics. invite them to yeah, abuse yeah. you. But, okay, you get the idea, Ari. The point is that these people are not standing tall. No, they're not. And, and the worst part of you said this on offline, which I really thought was a very good point, which is, you know, there's a couple of um, uh, churches, big churches, mega churches that are um, deciding to remain open. God bless them. But because there's only one of them here and there, it just makes it that's that much more difficult for that one church to to do so, to be brave, to resist the onslaught. Yeah. And. Uh, the churches that are, are that are being open are the bigger ones because they're the ones who have some sort of clout. If it's a smaller church, let's say of a hundred people or so, good luck. You know, it's really tough. But uh, I, I do respect these guys that they're doing it. It's a little bit like in battle where the officer decides, "Come on, men, let's charge," and he goes out. But the other men, they stay behind because they're too afraid. Now you're exposing that one guy. That guy is almost certainly going to be mowed down because he's alone. He doesn't have the cover that he needs. And that's the way it's, it's happened. I'm, I'm very disappointed among the church leaders, but more particularly because we are Jewish, 
uh, among our Jewish leaders. I don't see any Jewish leader standing tall and saying, I'm going to keep my synagogue open. There is one. There is one. And I, I, I do, of course, tremendously respect that. But we need to have we need to have uh, 90% of our synagogues doing exactly the same thing. They all need to open. And they all need to say, you know, we're not afraid. Come get us. And then there will be too many for them to come get. They won't be able just to shoot one and make an example of it to scare all the others. To your point and to our point recently, and, and I don't want to drill down on this, but it's, a, it's emblematic of the point, which is L.A. tried to shut down Halloween in anticipation of Halloween on October 31st, of course. Yeah, there's going to be another big fireworks. So anyway, they, uh, you know, people gave them pushback and said, this is outrageous. We're going to do what we damn well please. And then, of course, the city council said, oh, well, we were just kidding. Or uh, we reversed that policy. We just encouraged people to think twice before they go out, which I'm okay with them saying think twice. Fine. Yeah, but the, not to mandate, not to mandate the whole thing. That's the difference. And the same thing is true here with the synagogues. Don't mandate it. I mean, and I, the lesson here is when there are many people doing it, when they unionize, as it were, and collectively say, you shall not shut us down. That's a good thing. Now, why these rabbis, these different congregations, these pastors and so on, don't communicate with each other and say, listen, I want us all to commit to opening Sunday, such and such date. And that's a protest. And we're going to continue doing it for all other Sundays going forward. Uh, and you can't stop us. Okay? And if you're closing down because of fear that the government might find you or even arrest you, we will have your back and you should have our back. Okay, if that's what you want. But the real heroes, the true heroes who have huevos, shall we say, are the ones who do it all on their own. Especially that woman, what's her name, uh, the salon uh, key, um, owner from Texas, right? Uh, Shelley uh, Luther, I think it was, yeah. She was alone. She didn't band together with anybody. And she just said, F you, I'm opening up. I can't, I have to feed my kids. And this is the way I know how to, to, to make money. And I'm not going to starve and have my kids starve because of this fanciful notion of yours that we're somehow saving the planet. We're not. And she defied it, and she, was, she went to jail in the process. I really respect that. But if she can do it all on her own, then certainly you, my dear chief rabbi of the congregation that we so dearly love, you can do it. We will back you up. Other rabbis, other synagogues, other churches will back you up. But this is the year of fear. This is a time, Ari, where people decide that they'd rather not stick their neck out. And maybe, maybe it's because it's been so many decades of peace. Maybe it's because there's, there have been so few moments of crises where their uh, metal has been tested. So few real moments of crisis. Yes. We've been told every day there's a crisis. Oh, yeah, that's a good me. point. Yeah, yeah. But actual crisis, there have never been yeah. any. And, and the crisis isn't even the C-19, China virus, China flu. 
The crisis is the response to it by our own government. And remember their own words. They all said when this began, the two weeks to flatten the curve, this is all voluntary. We're asking you. Yeah. When did it become mandatory? That is the point. And crisis, whether it's manufactured or a real one, <clears throat> right? Uh, it, the fact is that this is a government imposition at this point, and it's our reaction to it. So it doesn't matter whether, I mean, it's like the War of the Worlds, right? It's it, the, the radio show by Orson Welles, that was not a real alien invasion, of course, but it's the way people reacted to it. So it doesn't matter whether it's fanciful or real. And here we are responding to this bizarre uh, crisis, and we're responding like cowards. You don't know, my good rabbi, you don't know my good pastors out there, how many of us will support you, how many of us will come out to your churches and synagogues. Hell, I'm Jewish and I'll come out to your church services because we will respect you so much. We want to show our support so much for yeah, you. Yeah, that's why I was actually going to suggest that we as Jews go to Rob McCoy's church in Newbury Park or the other one in Tahunga and attend. That might because be a great idea. It, it might be, I, I think that's, I think, because we need to stand with them. And the other thing, and this is the big issue, I think, that if you want this government inclusion, intrusion into your, your most basic freedoms to stop, let alone reverse, if you just want to stop it now, at least keep it from going any farther, you better stand up and resist immediately, fully, in force, on a day of like the high holidays or something. You have to, because if you don't, they're just going to keep taking more and more and more. Well, yes, it's exactly that. It's about dealing with crises and the way we're responding to it. So now we, we have our collective moment where we see the bad guy molesting or trying to molest this innocent old woman. And it's our opportunity to jump and to say, cut that crap out and beat the crap out of that monster, right? We're not doing it. We're cowering. And I'm ashamed of our congressional leaders, of all the people that need to show courage, you guys are the ones that have to show it. You mean congregational leaders? Yes. You said congressional, you mean congregational. I said congressional, okay. Congregational, congregational. yes. Congregational, you guys are the ones. If you can't stand up to government tyranny like this, then who will? You have been telling us all this time, and, and correctly so, that our primary leader in the sky is God, not government. We answer primarily to God, not to, to the government. That's it. We believe in that so fiercely. But they talk tough in their sermons. And then when the rubber meets the road, when the crisis actually hits, they cower. Yeah, they prove they have no faith. None. They don't have any faith. Exactly right. This they, they, they talk about in, in their sermons about how to fight Amalek, for example, right? In, in, in what the Christians call the Old Testament, what we call the Bible. Uh, and, and likewise, how Jesus, uh, you know, deals with courage and, and how he resisted the Romans and Caesar and so forth. And how he accepted the cross for all of the rest of us. Right. And, and, and how, you know, David fought Goliath for that matter. How Moses resisted against Pharaoh. I mean, there's so many great stories of this. And, and then they, they, they tell us, they sermonize about how incredibly courageous it is when, when evil rears its ugly head, how we must stand up. You are full of crap. 
You are full of crap. My dear rabbinical leaders, my, my dear Christian leaders who cower in the face of the, this new manufactured crisis. And Shame on you. Right. Shame on you. And you, you deserve to be replaced by, by, by courageous men, courageous women who are willing to lead, who are willing to say, I'm not going to put up with your bullshit. Because it is bullshit. It is. Why not say, listen, congregation, whoever wants to come in, you're welcome. You want to stay back home? We'll have it on Zoom for you as well. Yeah. That's up to you. But I'm, our doors are opening. We encourage you to come. You take the risks that you want because we are God's we are, we are all uh, godly in the image of, of God. And we, we want to pray to God. And we're not going to buy into the atheist claptrap that somehow this is a luxury that could be dispensed with because of some sort of government crisis and a manufactured one at that. We're, we ain't going to take it no more, as they say. And the more we learn about this, the more we realize that we've been had. I think it was Ohio, some, some state, RU sent me an article recently uh, revealing emails where... Tennessee. Which one? T it was in Tennessee. Tennessee, really? In this area of Tennessee. It was a little backtrack on Do you guys all remember the climate gate emails between uh, Dr. Michael Mann at the University of Pennsylvania and the well, East England? Why don't we England? start with the Tennessee thing first? Uh, no, and, a, then, and then tell me about the climate uh, gate thing. Okay, well, anyway, in both cases, emails were revealed that they were trying to hide the decline of either okay. temperatures or cases. There you go. Okay. My point is it's the exact same thing. It proves that the whole thing, global warming in the case, 10 years ago with climate cake, and in the case of COVID-19 China virus, it's a hoax. Yeah. It's a hoax. Yeah. There is a China virus. There may or may not be global warming, but it's not caused, and it's not as dangerous, and it's not as severe as the authorities are telling you to justify their responses to it. Right. Okay. That's shut down or otherwise. And then, to, to prove your point, uh, and to emphasize your point, rather, the city uh, health official for Los Angeles said that the schools will be shut down until after the election. Like, why the election? <laughs> As if the virus knows and is waiting for the, uh, the results of the election itself, right? Because that's what viruses do. Or, or, or I mean, why, why not? I mean, why were, were they so brazen about the time period by which the virus can be um, shut down or not, right? And, and it's what, what you and I were saying. It must have to do with the election. Of course it, it does. It, it, well, that's like my, so that's my point. It's, it's so, it's, they're so transparent. She could have said, Something to the effect of, we think sometime in middle of November, maybe before Thanksgiving, we're, that's aspirational. You know, she could have hidden around that. And then you and I would have said, mm, isn't that convenient? That's just after the election, don't you know? But instead, she actually says, until just after the election. All right, so that's one thing. So that, that re that's a very revealing moment. Then the other revealing moments, we talked about this before, about how uh, it was all about flattening the curve, then it became about mortality rates, then it became about infection rates, infection cases. It's, it's so preposterously, preposterously transparent. And then the hydroxychloroquine and zinc uh, combination thing, where, where we now know that Lancet lied to us, and they had to retract it, because in fact, hydroxychloroquine, ACQ, the combination, was very effective 
in treating COVID-19, not curing it, but if, God damn it, if you, if you have uh, the serious onset of symptoms of COVID-19, you take the, you take the HCQ uh, combination and you get better. That's it. Uh, that sounds like a cure to me. Yeah, that's well, what a cure is. That's a good point, yes. Okay, so, sorry, cure. Yeah, exactly right. It's a, it is a cure one way or the other. Uh, ask Tom Hanks. He took HCQ. Ask Bolsonaro. He had it, took HCQ. <laughs> exactly right. Ask Boris Johnson. Ask President Trump. He took HCQ as a prophylactic. It seems like it's also a vaccine. No cure. one's buying this bullshit. That's the point. And then, of course, the fact that they allowed the protest to happen and the rioting, for that matter, because that was noble to fight against racial disparities and inequality and such. But it's not noble, of course, to worship God. That's, you know, that's cute. You know, that's something we do uh, when everything is perfect in society. And, you know, you want to waste your time <clears throat> praying to, to your invisible God uh, on Saturdays or Sundays. Uh, it'll be my guest. You know, that's your, that's your time to waste, if you so please. But no, 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 it's, it's uh, I mean, this is serious government business, you understand. Yeah, and we don't have time to waste on your nonsense. Right. That, that's the thing that bothers me the most, this, this transparent prioritizing of what the real issues are, right? They, they, they decide, it, you know, the agenda has been revealed, hasn't it? That protests and rioting, that's good. You can do that. There's no talk of arresting anybody for not wearing a mask during the looting. No, no, no. Let no talk. Not, the, the not arresting them for burning. <clears throat> yeah, exactly right. Murdering. If, if, if the police, not in Minneapolis, of course, because there's no such thing as police there anymore, but in any other city, uh, you know, grab somebody because he's not wearing a mask uh, while he's looting. You know, why are you arresting? What are the charges? Not wearing a mask. Uh, they would say, I mean, well, but, but I'm looting, so it's obviously an exception to the general rule. Ah, you're right. Okay, I'll let you go this time. Loot away, my friend. And that's, I mean, what a preposterous statement. But when you get together, even outside, for a church service, and you're demonized, you might, and you're threatened with arrest. Yeah, even outdoor church services. Even out, that's like what I said. The ones in, in Mississippi that were in cars. Yeah, remember they're taking. I know, I know. Uh, I mean, and and that also gets to the question of our local leaders and our local churches that won't open. Uh, Why not at least do it outside, like a gym or something? Yeah, I mean, they they give no alternatives, you know. And our uh, our particular um, synagogue has a very large play field to it. Be very where they sometimes do outdoor events. Why not just do a half-capacity outdoor thing there? Whoever wants to come right? can come. Yeah, and it's outdoors and, you know, breathe away. Lots of, you know, sunshine and bright air and everything. No, because the reason why they, they don't want to do that and they will not allow that is because, I mean, first of all, the ostensible reason is, yeah, it's all good and well for you not to be concerned about your own health because you're a young person and such, but you can easily contract it and then spread it to others and go to Grammy and Grandpa and, uh, and kill them, don't you know? So that's the ostensible reason. But of course, the real reason is that they want the economy to suffer as much as possible. If you have your restaurant open, even with outdoor seating, uh, if you have your hair salon open, even with outdoor hair cutting, if you have your karate uh, kid uh, thing with outdoor uh, activities, karate. outdoor karate in the parking lot next door to your store, 
uh, that's too risky also. They, they need to shut you down because they don't want the economy to, you know, to, to thrive. But the economy is thriving anyway, and they can't help it. They just can't do it. Now, thankfully, we are, we are now seeing people uh, opening up their businesses outdoors, like the restaurants, like the karate, like the, like the hair salons. But that's largely thanks to one Nancy Pelosi, who, <laughs> not because she, she mandated an, uh, an opening, nor does she have that power, but because her hypocrisy shone right through when she decided that she's going to get a haircut uh, in defiance of the rules that she herself touted and, of course, didn't wear a mask in the process, which she, of course, shamed everyone else about. Uh, so that, you know, immediately Governor Newsom, his, uh, her, uh, her nephew, said, oh, we, we, now it's okay to open up hair salons all of a sudden in order to soften the blow and to otherwise... Yeah, take the wind out of the sails of this of this yeah. uh, this scandal. Yeah, and also something related to Nancy Pelosi, uh, a miracle happened. The first person in California in the last ten years got arrested for public defecation last week. Yes, by defecating on Nancy Pelosi's. Well, house. yes, and I saw your uh, isn't that hilarious? Your, your tweet and your email about that, and it's a it's a good point. You say, okay, well, you know that that's good that they, finally they got. Uh, uh, arrested something yeah. for a defecator, right? Isn't that a good thing? But but uh, but the point is, the only reason why he was arrested was because it was in front of Nancy Pelosi's house. She took the action. She said, you know, arrest this mother effer, and uh, that's that. It's the same thing with the Seattle mayor, who suddenly, you know, you know, came to Jesus when the rioters came to her mansion, and she said, okay. You know, this enough is enough, and that's when she saw it seriously. Yeah. Same Lori thing Light with Ted Wheeler. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, Lori Lightfoot. Lightfoot. And Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. Two points about her that are interesting is before Barbara Ferrer, the LA health officer, said it, she's the one who said all of these lockdowns will end on election day in Chicago. <laughs> yes. Again, on the nose, yes. what the agenda is. And then she, miss, give them room to destroy, give them room to loot, give them, this is First Amendment, constitutional, protected, violent rioting, peaceful protest, mostly peaceful, mostly arson, arson, said, uh, no, but not in my neighborhood. And then she shut down the media, the press, from reporting it in her neighborhood. Okay. So it's like a, a dual, yes. <laughs> triple, double, triple hypocrisy. Okay, so I want to move on to a very related point, but a very important distinction. Why is this all happening in terms of, you know, all the things we're talking about, the hypocrisies. Because they don't like Trump. Well, hold on, okay, stop, sorry, stop, 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 stop. That's not it. That's not it. Of course they don't like Trump, either. of course. But why, why is this all happening? Why is the looting happening? Why is the rioting happening? Why is the, the, the suddenly, the woke culture and the shaming and the closing down of businesses and the congregations and such, why is that all happening? Answer, because we're letting it happen. That's, that's ultimately why this is the related point that I'm making. With, with our con congregational leaders, and for that matter, our political leaders, kowtowing to it, submitting to this. That's the reason why. You know, when we talk about fascism, communism, we talk about how can there be a God who would let such a thing as a Hitler happen? 
The answer is because we let a Hitler happen. What do I mean by that? Ari, I mean that there were so many opportunities to stop Hitler, to not let Hitler become the Hitler that we now know in history. We could have easily stopped him many times over, right? We chose not to. The point is that we did nothing, just nothing when it came to Hitler. We tried to appease and he just grew stronger and stronger until the point that we had the most massive war in world history, by far with anywhere between 100 million to 200 million people dead as a result, okay, depending on, on how you estimate these deaths and the causation and such, but it's at least 100 million. And, and one third of the entire Jewish population was lost, okay, all because we decided not to, not to fight back. So that's how you get a Hitler. See, God gives us the ability to fight back, to recognize evil. But, you know, it's, it's funny. We, when we talk about, um, you know, it, it, you might as well say, well, how can it be that we get wet? Or how can it be that we get cold, right? It, I mean, the way to, to fight off cold is to uh, invent clothes, for one thing, and to put a, a, a roof on top of your, your house, make sure it's not leaking either. And then you stay dry. It takes fire. work on your part to make sure and tend the fire, like I said, to keep the heat uh, you know, in order to, to survive in a world that if you don't do anything about it, will eventually get you, right? That's, that's the reason why. So when, when people say this notion of how can there be a God that allows a Hitler to exist? No, 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 no. There will always be Hitlers so long as you don't recognize the Hitlers and do nothing with Hitler. Yeah, God gave us the free will. We have the free will to stop it. Yeah. And in this day and age, people go, well, uh, are you still calling Joe Biden? Nice little Joe Biden Hitler? Are you saying Kamala is Hitler? No, we're not. What we're saying is the conditions that bred a Hitler are being created by the Democrats now so that one may arise sooner than later in the Western world. It's you a know? little bit like saying that if you don't clear the garden... Right, you take out all the dry brush, and do nothing about it. Otherwise, there will be a fire. Right? I mean, how how can God create a world where there's this this these brush fires? Wait, no, no, no. He didn't create it. You created it. You are the ones who didn't tend to the fires in California and Oregon and Washington. The ones, the horrific fires we're seeing now. They're trying to blame it on global warming, but it, in fact, it's about not clearing all the brush that has been building up for decades. And then they say, oh, how could this happen? Yeah, and then the irony about global warming is this. We're told the fires are causing global warming. But listen to this, Brock, carefully. If they are to be believed and carbon emissions cause global warming, the fires aren't being caused by global warming. The fires caused by their mismanagement are causing global yes, warming. Yes, I know, I know. But, That's but, even more irony. But I'm, I'm, let me kind of finish up this thought because it's a, a larger point. That's one example of how we're the ones who are creating these problems by not doing anything. Yes. My point is it, it's a matter of preparing and, and doing and taking the steps to avoid evil and bad things for that matter, whether it's even natural uh, disasters from flourishing. 
I mean, look, look at what happens. The exact same earthquake, size earthquake, that hit California, even bigger than the one that hit Ankara in, in uh, I don't know how many years ago, in Turkey. We had a 6.9 earthquake in 1994. They had a 6.4 earthquake a few years ago. It was much less than a 6.9 earthquake. And that one in Ankara totally devastated the city. Rubble everywhere. Not so here. Why? Because we took precautions. We understood how to build buildings better to withstand this kind of stuff. So don't expect God to be the one to do all the work, to now provide for you so that uh, when a natural, a natural calamity or for that matter, bad evil comes into the, to the mix, you can stop evil. You can withstand tremendous hurricanes and, and earthquakes and such. God has given us the tools to do so. But if you don't take it, like what happened in, speaking about uh, natural disasters, like what happened in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. The, the main reason why there was so much devastation was not because the, the hurricane itself was so bad. It's because we knew it was going to happen and we, we did not build up the infrastructure necessary to withstand a Category 4 hurricane like that. And so surprise, tremendous devastation happened. Okay, it's, it's, it's no different than, uh, you know, making uh, your prisons, or not building prisons, or not sending uh, criminals to prison. What, what do you expect is going to happen? Or if they are in prison, and it's a maximum security prison, to have all sorts of, uh, you know, th th there's no fences there. What do you expect is going to, they're going to go. Yeah, the name of the current no fences at maximum security prisons in California is Gavin Newsom. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, don't expect God to be the one to do all the work. If, if it were the case, then it would mean meaning that God always does all the work, that would mean that we would never take steps on our own to deal with bad things. But also God... Right? Wait, wait. But wait, wait, wait. You, you, hear, yeah, hear my point. Hear my point. I, and then I want to hear what you have to say. We would never do anything. Why? Why would we do anything? Why would we build anything? You think these churches and synagogues that have this incredible faith in God, you think that Jesus, for that matter or Moses or any, felt that, well, God will provide everything. We don't need to build our own homes. Uh, we don't need to have faith in God to, to fight against Pharaoh and, and demand freedom. You think freedom is, is this notion that God will, will provide for everything? What, what kind of idiotic thinking is this? It would mean that we would never have a police force for that matter. It would mean we would never even have a fire department or um, any sort of um, army for that matter. It would mean we'd never have to go to the grocery store to feed ourselves. Yep. Food would just drop out of the sky. We wouldn't have to work. Money would just we, be left on our doorstep. Right. We wouldn't have to go to the dentist, right? Because, you know, we have our to brush our teeth, would, right? Our teeth wouldn't need any maintenance. That's right. Because God would have designed our teeth better. You know? Or doctors, of course, of any kind. You never have a checkup one way or the other. Or, you know, oh, we got a headache. Well, or an infection, an ear infection, let's say. Well, you have to go to the emergency room. Well, you don't need that because, you know. How could there be a God that allows an ear infection to lead to someone's death? Right? Same thing. And yet, we'd never say such a thing because we know that it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves. It's, it's insane. It's, it's no different. The Hitler argument is exactly the same one. The only difference is that the impact of Hitler was far greater. 
far more horrific. But we let it happen. And that's the nature of fear. In some cases, it's about the fear of doing nothing, of taking any action at all, because we don't want people to get upset. And so they impose all sorts of restrictions on us. They tell us, you must say that black lives matter. You must uh, agree that the police needs to be defunded. You must um, tell them um, that we have a world of utter racism, that America was founded on slavery. And if you don't subscribe to that, we're going to dox you. We're going to marginalize you. We're going to shame you. You're going to wish you never existed. And that is the kind of fear that we are dealing with today. And so as a consequence, we're seeing the flourishing of evil. Not a Hitler level, but, but an incredibly destructive level. Always People being primed for a Hitler level. Oh, no, that's true. That's, that's, that's true. That's don't, forget that, don't forget that Hitler exploited a horrifically bad economic situation, right? And, and that's how he was able to get in. But even so, it was our response to him because we were, we were afraid of dealing with him. We just didn't want the antagonism. We didn't want the violence necessary to stop this very bad man from continuing his horrifically evil ways. We just said, you know, it's Lebensraum and so on, living yeah, space. And the elites of German society 20, 30 years, 40 years before didn't work to stamp out the anti-Semitic extremism in the lower classes, in the working classes, and in, in the people susceptible for, to the proto-Marxism that was starting to flourish in below them. The elites, right. just like the elites today, don't want to get into the fight. The elites say don't want to confront the lunacy on the college campus. Right. That's breeding a, a massive population in the future of people who are going to be accommodating and embracing of the extremism that took over Germany in the 1930s. This is the way we'll leave it because fear is so important uh, to understand. The response, the way we are responding to the COVID crisis, the way we're responding to the riots and to the, this Black Lives Matter movement, which is so destructive. It's the building up of the, um, the brush floor for decades. It's the cavities that we're ignoring. It's the heart uh, arrhythmia that we are not checking out with the doctor. It's the uh, levees that we are not shoring up in anticipation of the next hurricane. It's the uh, weak building that stands on stilts that we are not changing and shoring up for the next earthquake. It's the gun that we don't buy for uh, the protection of our home and our communities. That's what's going on now. These are the things that we're talking about. And you have to, if, if you don't understand that this is what it takes to fight evil, this is what it takes to preserve civilization, then you will lose your civilization. Or at the very least, at the very best, you're going to have to suffer through a huge onslaught, onslaught of evil and mayhem and possibly millions of people dying. That's the way it works. You cannot expect God 
to take care of everything for you. You have to do everything you can to guard against the evil, to guard against the danger, whatever it might be. And we're not doing it. We're just not Ari. And that's, it, it circles all the way back to our congregational leader and other congregational leaders of today. They are not shoring up their congregations against the onslaught of dictatorial rule. And should we lose our freedoms, we will have nobody to blame but ourselves. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.